This is the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by The Peers Project. Hello, peers. Welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast. Peers speaking, peers listening. This is a conversation for you. I'm your host, Michelle Akidanor, founder of The Peers Project, millennial entrepreneur, world traveler, podcast expert, and forever your fellow passionate peer. Each week, I invite inspiring millennial entrepreneurs from around the globe to chat with me. No filters, just real talk, peer to peer. Together, we unpack what it takes to go your own way and why there's nothing better. As always, thank you for listening. If you enjoy our podcast, please do pass it on. The more peers, the merrier. Welcome back to another episode of the Peers to Peers podcast. Today's guest is Neha Shri, co-founder and CMO of conversational commerce platform Jumper.ai and a Forbes 30 under 30 listee. As a child, Neha grew up fixing things around the house, from gadgets to paint, whatever her dad was working on, she was working on too. For Neha, objects were easy to break, simple to fix. Her life, on the other hand, seemed murkier as she couldn't solve the question of who she was and who she wanted to be. But rather than force it with the same level of frustration as an Ikea flat pack, she let things be and allowed herself to sit in the confusion. In this inspiring episode, Nia reflects on what her nomadic upbringing taught her, how we can get okay with pursuing option D and why clarity doesn't come easy. For those of you who haven't yet, make sure to take a screenshot of this episode right now, post it to your Instagram story and tag us at The Peers Project so that other peers out there can benefit from the wisdom of these incredible millennial entrepreneurs. Okay, enough from us. Welcome, Neha. Neha, welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast. We're so excited to have you on the show today. Thanks so much, Michelle. It's, a, it's an absolute pleasure. Amazing. So, you know, you and I recently connected over LinkedIn. And when I looked into you and all of the amazing work you're doing and the AI and the tech space, I knew I had to have you come on the show. So I really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you. It's, uh, I'm really honored and uh, really looking forward to this chat today. Amazing. So look, for those of us who don't know who you are and what you do, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. So I'm the co-founder of Jumper.ai. Jumper.ai is a conversational commerce platform that helps brands reach their customers and enable the entire purchase journey within any social media or messaging application. So imagine, you know, you're uh, wanting to buy, let's say, a makeup product and, uh, you know, traditionally you would walk into a store, try the product and, you know, uh, see if it fits your skin type, etc. But when you buy it online, you basically do not have that option, right? You just go and click a few buttons and it's done. Uh, what we enable is that you can now go and talk to a brand, um, you know, and uh, either either an automated assistant or actually somebody working in the store will assist you through, you know, your queries about the product so you know what is best for you. And then once you're ready to make the purchase, you can build your cart and make the payment 
get the receipt, uh, you know, get all your order updates within that same platform. It could be a WhatsApp, it could be an iMessage, it could be, you know, Line, um, just anywhere that you prefer uh, to, you know, to, to go and talk to your favorite brands. Oh, we love that. Going to talk to our favorite brands. I, it was so interesting when I was looking into what you do, but now hearing it back, um, it's it's it just makes so much sense. And I can't wait to dive a bit deeper into it with you. But before we do, I'd love to start with a question that I've often found to be very insightful and revealing, and that is, where did you grow up and how has this impacted the choices you've made in your life and in your career so far? So I, I grew up in quite a lot of places. I think I've never lived uh, lived in any place for more than five years. So yeah, I changed a lot of you know a lot of lot of places. So I grew up in Delhi. I grew up in Mumbai. I grew up in uh, like you know I did my college in Chennai. Now I'm in Singapore. <laughs> so uh, I changed a lot of schools, um, obviously. And I think like how did that impact? I think. Um, for me, what I do today, I had very early exposure. You know, I I had an early interest in science. You know, I just loved uh, loved science, right? Like right from like probably third grade when you know when we started doing like science experiments. Uh, that used to be my highlight of the day. And then I had like a telescope at like the age of ten. I learned about theory by the age of like thirteen. So it was always something that was interesting to me. My ideal career would have been like being a scientist at CERN. That didn't happen. <laughs> that didn't happen. And at the same time, I did always want to do, like, I've always been very hands-on, right? So, like, uh, and my dad, uh, especially my parents, uh, have always been this, that, you know, you have to be very, very self, self-initiated. self So, you know, uh, they would involve, like, I mean, anything that was raised in my life, I had, like, full control about making decisions around it, you know, like, right from, you know, what I wanted to do. And it was always, like, this kind of a thing that you can never be indecisive about anything, even if it's like the flavor of ice cream you want to have today. Uh-huh. <laughs> a lot of pressure, uh, you know, I, I, I would say rather I would got like a lot of scoldings, you know, like just like, being a kid. And then like, uh, you know, my dad kind of involved me into everything like technical as he was learning it, right? So what he used to do, so like right from, let's say, if we are fixing in gadgets at our home, you know, I'd be like, you know, um, and this was like when I was like probably 10, 11, that, you know, I started like opening up devices and doing stuff like that. So, I mean, overall, I think like for me, it was a very, very natural inclination that I had to get into something where, you know, which was about innovation and about like discovering how things work and figuring out, you know, uh, like kindling around with things and, you know, trying to make things happen. Right. That was quite a lot of my childhood. And um, I was just fortunate to have exposure to a lot of things, you know, that usually get people get to, you know, when, when they get into their college or like post, like at, when they start working. So interesting and so fascinating. I think, you know, one thing that definitely stands out for me was that, you know, it, it, you can't be indecisive and your parents really drilled that into you, you know. But I guess from that, you know, having to always decide and know what you want, you know, what did that, you know, you talked about in you were always involved in science, you were always helping your dad with the gadgets around the house, all of that was very clear to you. But what were some things when you were younger or you were growing up that weren't so clear and that you were kind of indecisive about? And how did you navigate that? I think I definitely did not know what I wanted to do in my life, right? I, I knew what I loved, right? But then I was, and I, and I did not actually even have any direction, right? Or any mentor, you know, my, my parents were like really chill as like, you know, their ideal dream work for me was like, 
you know, go and join like an ID company, work for like six months and then you know, like travel for the next six months. Right. Uh, so I had like absolutely zero guidance. So I had to like discover a lot, you know, like uh, in terms of what fascinated me. I think that was very clear what fascinated me. But how do I build my career track on that was not as clear. And, you know, I mean, and obviously I had my course of failures even during my, you know, not failures, but I would say like, you know, blockers that uh, kind of, even if I kind of found a path. So like AI was something that I was always like, you know, fascinated by, right? And then in, in when I was in college, I had the opportunity to transfer to Carnegie Mellon, but we just couldn't financially support it, right? So uh, had that had happened and, you know, I did not have, and I, I was really trying to push, you know, push the push and, you know, get into it, but it just did not happen, right? It, it, it took its own sweet course of time before I could really get into, you know, um, I, I finally understood uh, that, you know, like entrepreneurship was my calling and uh, this is what I really wanted to do. It was all, you know, kind of, I would say like some some coincidence that happened, uh, you know, or, or rather like some things that just didn't work out and, you know, the path just led to this. Mm. What happens when things don't work out for us? I think it's so it's so amazing that you naturally kind of stumbled into entrepreneurship and that, you know, because other things didn't work out, perhaps your studies in the US and whatnot, you were like, oh, I guess this is where I'm at. You know, for those of us who, you know, our peers out there listening, who maybe just feel very lost about kind of where they're going, it's kind of great. They're not too sure. We're also in a pandemic, you know, it's not helping the situation. You know, what advice would you give to them around, I guess, being comfortable with the gray? Um, so one of the things that I, you know, I personally believe is like sometimes you just need to take the day, you know, and give the day what it requires of you, right? You can't just be like Steve Jobs every other day. Not all of us are built in. Like that's 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 the dream. And, you know, uh, obviously on a, on a lot of days we can be that. But there are times, there will always be times in all of our lives where, you know, we just can't keep hustling. We just can't keep, you know, trying to, you know, run against the water. And, and it just requires that you need to then give yourself the time, but at the same time have that belief, right? Like this is this is the work that you're doing with yourself, right? Uh, it's it's okay to be confused because only when you're confused is when you know you know what you you know that you need to figure out what you need, right? Uh, and and that realization is important. Uh, so for me, the you know the mantra has always been that if I am going through a through a difficult phase in my life and you know I probably do not have a clear sight on things. I would sometimes just like sit, sit with it, right? Like, you know, I can't run away with it. I can't, you know, force myself out of it. It's just that there are certain things that I need to, and I, and I try to focus on like, what do I need to learn out of the situation? You know, because even if I am able to hack my way out of the situation once, it might just come back again, right? That's, that's how life works. So I would say it's just about like keeping the grit, uh, knowing that, you know, I mean, things, everything changes ultimately. So you need to like rather uh, keep keep low if you need to keep low, but but just 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 try to move, you know, just work around what you need to resolve, one little step at a time. If if you can't, you know, tackle the entire problem in in one go. Mm. Very practical and just very valuable. You know, I think so many of us we can get just get so caught up. And I think I want to dive a little bit deeper into the time where you were trying to navigate it. I think maybe right before your first business. So. I think you were at a tech consultancy in Mumbai. I think you did that for about a year after you finished your studies at, I think it was just SRN University. You did engineering, computer science. Then you went straight out to work um, in Mumbai for a year at a tech consultancy. Talk to us a little bit about that transition there and then kind of the idea for your first business, which led on from that. Cool. 
Um, so actually, I started my first venture when I was in college itself. It was like my final year, uh, you know, I started it. And it was it was kind of like, you know, I was, I mean, I think I, I was very clear by, by my second year in college that I did want to get into like, you know, into startups and do, you know, like potentially at some time do my own business. And it just happened that I, I happened to have a conversation where, you know, this other person had an idea and I was like, okay, they had some challenge in terms of the execution. I was like, okay, this is something that I can help with, right? So let's just like, instead of just sit around and like, you know, waste our time in college, let's just do this, right? Um, that's how it just started. Like, I do not, I, I cannot keep myself like kind of, you know, like idle at any point in time. And I knew that that semester I was just going to be like idle for most of the time. So I just pushed it. Right. And, um, well, that did not work. You know, there were various factors to it. And after that, so, so my plan was, you know, uh, when I was doing my like final year, uh, was just to, uh, you know, continue with my company and my startup. Right. But that didn't work. We had to shut it down. I was, again, very, very unlucky with like a lot of places that I was applying to. So, you know, so like, you know, the consultancy was like my plan Z that that was like I wanted to do. But yeah, I nothing else worked out. And, you know, again, I was like, okay, you know, I can rather like just spend time thinking what I what is the next idea I want to do. And, you know, just be, be on the couch the entire day, or I could just like go ahead and take in what's what's the company structure look like you know what do they have to teach me right so I kind of kind of took on um, uh, the role there and obviously it was kind of exciting you know I got a lot of opportunities and I think like just from a role perspective I said yes to a lot of things where you know because like most people who are thinking of like developing a career as a software engineer they will have like certain preferences about what they want to do and what they don't want to do I was just like, you know, going, I just went there as an open, uh, you know, uh, with a very open mind with, you know, with, with a very determined factor also that at some point I will leave this, right? So it's just about what, how much, uh, how much can I learn out of this experience, right? So I got, I got a lot of good opportunities there, but obviously like it was still frustrating because, you know, my mind was consistently about like, oh, I need to get back and I need to start something. And that's when really I met my, um, uh, and I uh, and I then left it. I joined a startup in Mumbai, again, with a very, very fixated thing that I just wanted to go there and learn and then, you know, take that time off to, you know, to start like working on my own ideas and doing a lot of, you know, my own research in terms of what I wanted to do next. And then in that course, I kind of met my current uh, co-founder with him. Now I've been like working for seven years together. So we've done like multiple companies, uh, multiple uh, ventures together. It was initially he was like an investor, so I was basically pitching, uh, <laughs> pitching my idea to him, and he offered me that, oh, you join my company, and I was like, uh, as an employee, and I was like, yeah, no, I, I, I do not have any intention of doing it. So we worked it around. We worked it around fairly good, yeah. So interesting and just so hilarious. You know, I think it's often in those times where we're kind of just navigating the waters. We've picked, you know, for you, you picked your option D to go work at to start off with. And then you kind of from there that actually led you to your co-founder now, you know, obviously another another company and then then your co-founder. You know, how can we get okay with pursuing our option D? I think you just need to understand that, you know, uh, either you have the thing that, okay, you will just keep fighting because see a lot of times when things don't work out for you, it's mainly because, you know, you lack something within your own character or within your skill set or something like that. Right. So you could either keep on getting frustrated that this is not working for me. Right. And keep feeling bad about it. Or, you know, you're like, okay, fine. I take up what I have for me at this moment. That does not mean I'm satisfied and I'm going to be happy with it. 
right? But I'm not going to be, you know, unhappy either. I will take up something. So, you know, I, I, I do get some space to, you know, think about where where is the lack coming in right what do i really need to read what do i really need to be or to to do in order to get to a right and i think like just the way i see my life and, and a lot of the people like around me right like from the outside it does feel like oh everything is perfect but like nothing is ever perfect right you you always have to kind of you know make trades right like there's always a price that you have to give for everything right and i think like sometimes if if like with the option b as well that's the same thing Right, you 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 give the price that okay, you'll probably settle for something that is lesser, but you know that you're not defining that to be your life moment, right? Like that you're not defining that to be your entire life. Yeah, great. So interesting. So look, I want to kind of dive a bit deeper into that first venture you did. You know, I think it was called Selfie Challenge, and I think that was in 2013. Talk to us a little bit about that first venture with your mentor that then became your business partner, and a little bit about the challenges you faced just being in business, I guess, you know, again, after doing your first venture. Yeah, I the, the idea of Selfie Challenge came in just because like, you know, social media apps were kind of raging in at that time, right? Like Instagram was there and like, you know, everybody else was kind of trying to do a social media thing, right? So so we built this app where it was like, okay, how do we build a community of like, you know, people wanting to do, do the same things together, right? Uh, that was the entire, uh, you know, idea about Selfie Challenge. And the funny thing was that we actually got like, you know, over like 400,000 downloads for the app, but we were not able to get like funding because, you know, like it, it was kind of a new concept. And, and this was like where we were, we were based in India back then. It was kind of, kind of a new concept. And, you know, uh, most of the social media platforms were already like really, really established. So like we, we bootstrapped Selfie Challenge for like three years. And I would say like those were like my most painful years of my life. You know, it's like, um, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, because also it's, it's a content startup, right? So you need to like all, all like B2C, it's like you need to pump in a lot of money to keep things going in, you know, to keep things scaling out. So yeah, it was, it was kind of really, really tough. So we, you know, we had like a parallel dev shop running in beside it to help, you know, kind of fund Selfie Challenge. Um, and I kind of lost a lot of, lot, lot of things on a personal ground uh, in, in that era as well. Like, you know, every, every, every single person who I thought was my, was my rock, just like, just hit it back on me. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's fine. I think that's, again, as I said, right, like everything, I, I don't see, you know, things as black and white. I think everything that works happens happens for a reason. Uh, it has definitely, I mean, looking back, I do see a lot of lessons that, you know, I learned and I and, and a lot of ways where I grew in as a person, um, you know, it, it took for, for certain things. But then, yeah, I mean, I, I it's something that I'm totally okay with now. Mm. So just, I so appreciate you sharing that with us. And I, I took, we took a lot on the show about the dark side of business and that it's not super glossy at all. And that it's actually very, very hard for so many of us, especially in those first couple of years. And especially when the venture isn't actually working out for us. So could we talk, could you talk to us a little bit more about the pain that you experience. I don't want, you know, only if, only if you can and you're willing to share, but just so our peers out there listening can understand kind of where the, like how you were feeling during this time and how you navigated through those three years. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll try and like to keep it short. So one of the things is basically the loneliness, right? Like when you start something, yes, people are like, oh, excited, right? It's not like, uh, you know, initially most of your people who are close enough, they'll be curious about it and they'll support you, right? But then, you start getting to a point where, you know, you have these problems and you have this like, this perspective to life, which nobody else can understand, right? Like they can't understand why are you, you know, trying to 
struggle so hard or you know why you know why are you like always working 80 or 18 hours a day right like all your friends start complaining about it and i think that that challenge came in like a lot of my friends uh, were just not there you know uh, either they could not get into my shoes or you know were just not interested anymore because you know they were going up high in their careers while you know i was still like on the struggling level right so i lost, lost a lot of friendships there and i think like that was still something that was like okay because you know i think like that's that's a written fact that you do have loneliness for me the other big part was the entire hypocrisy that i had to you know to work around with uh you know from my own uh, family's perspective like from my you know from from the most closest circle that i had um so you know as i said right i i was grown up to be very independent to you know to take my decisions and then you know, kind of like really fight towards them so i mean whoever i am i think i contribute a, a lot of that back to my childhood you know, like and not just my like my immediate family but also my extended family but somehow it turned out that you know when i started doing it right like even their perspective changes like oh you know what like you're always struggling and you'll always keep struggling and you know like uh, everything that i was doing was somehow like you know somehow put in a wrong bracket you know like somehow they could see that how how it was wrong like it was just like things like you know like there's this one time like i don't know somebody influenced my father and then you know he i mean we we had a fight about something and then he's like yeah like my friend told me a very intellectual friend told me you know you should never let a girl stay in another city all by herself and that's just so wrong right i was like oh my god like i can you know I, yeah i was taught to you know to fight against such prejudices like Uh, and such like notions that be, I mean it exists right I'm not saying it does not exist and a lot of people face it like you know a lot of minorities not just women but they face it as well right but I was grown to to kind of rebel against it and kind of raise my voice against it not from my own perspective but for others as well right and then I kind of found myself being you know like thrown in that same rabbit hole which was like the entire foundation kinds of goes away and then you know you have to like refigure what everything it that you what was your life what what that really means i think that was you know like that was the um, i would say the more um heartbreaking part of it but then again like you know uh, as as things change people change as well so you know, as 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 i started getting successful nobody really remembers that right but uh, for yeah. me a big part and like that that was a big lesson right i, I think like, that's one lesson that i would probably not forget right uh, that you need to back you need to be there to stand up for yourself no matter what and you know stand up for your dreams oh yes it's just so powerful neha and i so appreciate you sharing that with us i think you know so many of us can just get beat down all the time regardless of you know if we're starting a new venture or we're starting a new job or we're try- changing career paths and i think you know just being your number one champion is so important you know why do you think so many of us struggle with that why as in particular as women you know why do we think or you know maybe we shouldn't or maybe i can't maybe it's being arrogant what would you say to that it's just optimism right like we always want to believe that there is uh you know i mean there is a good side to people right but then we always expect that to be to be there for us right and uh, but nobody really has that responsibility towards you right you need to be very uh, i would say very mindful about the fact right like people may have perceptions those perceptions may change right and uh, sometimes they may try to push that too forward for you right but uh, i think like at some point you need to grow and start seeing that as just things that you need to make sure you know you coach in a way that you know it, it does not impact you in in the long run right maybe in the short run yes i mean you can't avoid you know all those feelings but uh, you know over over a period of time you need to figure out how to really get over that and I mean 
it's still right. You like you always have that hope, right? That's that's basically the thing. Like we don't want to give up on the hope, and I think like women are more compassionate, so they always want like a lot of women always want to have that you know that soft corner and that hope that things will always eventually work fine. But you know you need to take a step to make that happen. It will just not happen. Yeah. Because, you know you you think it would. Yeah. Yeah. So true. And you made so many steps to make it happen. Oh my goodness. I think, you know, if we move on from selfie challenge into first, I want to talk about quickly in incredible tech, which I think was your second business and then jumper, jumper.ai, which is your current business. So talk to us a little bit about, you know, that, that second venture. I think it was running, running alongside the first one for a while there. Um, and then the progression and move into jumper.ai. Yeah, so while we were like doing selfie challenge, we we basically needed to bootstrap ourselves, right? So Kincredible Tech was the desktop, you know, that we had. So we were we we used to do quite a lot of things under that, you know, that umbrella. We we had a couple of different other ventures under it as well. So there was one which was like a drag and drop app builder. So you can basically build your app in like seventy two minutes. It was called like in seventy two. We used to do like development and consulting work. You know, basically anything that will get money in the house, right? Selfie challenge was like, you know, this, like, and selfie challenge was actually quite a lot like TikTok because it was all those like hashtag challenges and, you know, uh, with images and videos, right? Obviously not as hip with the music, but it was, it was, it was a very, very similar concept, right? So we had like really huge bets on it, <laughs> even though like there were a few other good ideas, you know, that we worked upon and, you know, we, uh, we even, we even uh, were able to successfully sell it off, right? So we built it under Incredible and then we were able to get that acquired. But like selfie challenge was like this, you know, like sometimes like as an entrepreneur, right, that's another mistake you do because you think like, oh, your idea is like the best thing, right? And you do not want to look at the uh, the signals that you're getting outside, right? So yeah, selfie challenge was also that lesson, right? Incredible was basically, you know, I would say um, our bootstrap engine. That's what it was. Yeah. And then like when we started Jumper, I think like with Jumper, we were like more careful because, you know, we wanted to like really, really validate the market, make sure like we were not stumbling like you know it was just not a problem that we saw but that enough number of people saw it as well so we almost spent like eight like six to eight months doing like market research you know like with built like a very very uh raw mvp and like try to see like what are the challenges and everything before we really like went forward and like was the company and started this So amazing. Could you talk to us a little bit about the first few steps that you took to get Jumper off the ground? Do you know, you said that you, you spent six to eight months building that MVP. You know, what did, what did that market research phase look like? And then how did you really go from that to launching the product to kind of, you know, kind of growing it initially? So initially, like the, the idea of Jumper, I would say did not really come in one day, right? I think like it started right from the drag and drop builder app like that we had. A lot of our customers back then were kind of coming back to us and saying, hey, I'm on the top marketplace. I'm on, you know, I have my own website. I have my own app. But, you know, my customers are still coming on my Facebook and asking me the product price when I've already listed that in the post, right? Like, this is kind of getting really difficult for me to handle. And, you know, can you give me some technology for it, right? And obviously, like, this was like 2014. So, you know, late 2014 or so. And we were naive about it, right? We just said, hey, okay, you know, this is like a support problem. Just go and hire people to do this, right? Like that's, you need social media managers, right? Or like community managers for this. And then, um, you know, the entire like 2016, the entire Messenger API wave kind of came in. Uh, so that kind of got me interested, you know, is that so, and, and we were just like getting through an acquisition at that time. So we were like, anyways, like trying to, you know, my mind was trying to race through like new ideas to work upon. So 
I kind of send my sales team to go and like, you know, interview like every random shop person, right? Uh, about like, would they buy, like, would they want a bot to be able to like sell products on their, you know, on their behalf, right? So we spoke with like, like right from like vegetable vendors to, you know, bigger brands, everybody, like, you know, like some of our old customers, like, you know, uh, like multinational companies as well. And we're just trying to see like, okay, what is like, what is their appetite? What are they looking for? You know, what is their expectation and everything? And and that's how it kind of got uh, the idea started, like feeling like a, a more viable one. It seemed, it seemed like the market was ready. So my partner actually was quite quite heavily into AI back in like 1996 to 2000. Uh, you know, so he had like he had he had built an AI engine for like an e-commerce marketplace back in 2000. He he tried to like replicate his his grandfather into an AI. So, so, you know, so it was like, okay, like, but, but he was not willing to start an AI project. Like, and I mean, to be very, very honest, that's the reason why I like, you know, partnered with him. Like that was one of the most like, critical, uh, you know, like pointers in my decision to like, okay, I, I, I want to like probably have him as my co-founder. And so, but, but, you know, Yash was always like, oh, you know, people like, because he had seen how, you know, it happened during the, the dot-com bubble. So he was always not really never excited about any of the AI ideas. Right. But I was like, okay, let's just go and like, see what happens. And then. Uh, so we had this feedback from our sales teams, you know, I have, and the same time, you know, uh, one of my cousins was getting married and, you know, being an Indian, it's like, it's just so much of pressure. You have to look you know, like, it's just not the bride, but, you know, you also have to like get like clothes and I'm, like panicking out. And so, yeah, so that way, like I ended up social media just to check like what's, what's trending so that, you know, like I don't own any Indian clothes ever, you know, what should I probably like get for her wedding and. <laughs> So I ended up on all these, like, you know, like I, I spoke to a lot of people, right, from like small resellers to, you know, like uh, folks, uh, you know, showcasing at the New York Fashion Week and stuff. And all of them had this like weird CTA, send me an email, send me a WhatsApp, send me a, you know, DM. And I kind of indulged in it, spent two weeks and ended up being totally frustrated, right? Because like you'll ask for like a color variation, you'll get like a, you know, five, like 150 images coming into your inbox after like 12 hours. So a lot of latency, a lot of like zero context about like what my choice is, zero interest in like attending to my, you know, actual choice. Like, and then the payment was like the deal breaker, right? Like you just transferred to my bank account. I was like, I don't know who you are, right? Like, I don't know. Who you are. And these are like not cheap clothes. So, uh, yeah, so that, that kind of, so I went back to my partner, I explained him like, you know, all the sales reports that we had, like the search from the, from the sales team and then what my experience was and like, you know, how, what was, you know, what were like, our observation with our previous clients, you know, with the um, from in seventy two, and and that was kind of like the aha moment, right? Like this was like, okay, we want to do this, so we went back. We told the team that you know we will be working on this, and then we were uh, at the same time we were actually planning like a, a trip for the team, so they were going to be traveling to to Bangkok while I went for the wedding, and we did the first lines of code there. Uh, but then we basically still did not like, you know, we still wanted to like further assess the market, further understand what it was. Right. So we started speaking with almost everybody in the ecosystem. Right. Like we started approaching quite a lot of new brands who are not our customers, you know, everybody at every tier to understand, you know, what their problem statement was, how much, who was willing to pay, who was willing to, what were the challenges, everything. Right. So. And then we had an MVP, we, we piloted it with, uh, you know, again, like a wide range of small to like large businesses as well. And and we, we at, at the same time like so this this while the uh, the the genesis of the idea happened in India we were already into you know like in in the next six months we actually ended up coming to Singapore and like start starting to assess like the Southeast Asian market as well while we were doing with the Indian companies too 
and and that kind of gave us the confidence that you know like india is a, is a is, is a bit of a nascent market still when it comes to conversational commerce while our southeast asia research was you know kind of giving us more promising you know results so we were kind of trying to decide between like going to you know san francisco or moving to singapore and thankfully like by luck singapore happened and i think like that's the that's the best thing because southeast asia is like the is is like the home ground you know the the the, uh, the biggest market for for what we do you know from a, from attraction wise yeah I love it. Wow. So much. And I think, you know, this, something I find fascinating about you, and I think what strings throughout your entire story and, and journey is this idea of like, you just always tried and tried again. You know, I think whether it was like t- t- trying to, you know, go from that initial, your, your, your option D through to the next to meeting your co-founder through to that business not working out through to, you know, you just, keep trying with your, you know, when you're getting your current company off the ground, I think that's just so valuable. And it's just so evident for you. Where do you think that comes from for you? And how can we get better at not giving up? I think it's just my parents. Like my dad would never, never, ever help me with anything. And my mom, she will never listen to any complaint. So, you know, she would like, oh, see this from this, you know, this, this particular lens or this particular perspective. And, you know, it, it was annoying as a kid. Uh, I think that's that's a very valuable thing to have as an adult. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And how can we get better at not giving up? I think you just need to need to know that you know, like nothing is ever permanent, right? Like you can have a lot of success, and you know that may mean nothing, right? Uh, so it's all about the journey. So uh, if you are looking at the journey, you know that you know, like you may have a lot of dominoes falling in your life, right? But then there are always things working out as well, right? Now. I'm not a person who really celebrates a lot, you know, but so I'm always like a lot focused into like, I know what my, you know, where I want to be 10 years down the line, 20 years down the line. I know that, you know, very well. So I'm always like kind of trying to see, okay, I'm always trying to see, okay, what's not working for me and how do I make that work for me right now? So valuable, so valuable. And I'm, I mean, there is actually a lot to celebrate, you know, you've just really gone from strength to strength over the last couple of years. You know, you've been featured on the Forbes 30 under 30 list on UN women, GIIC, she innovates. You're a Facebook, you're a Facebook for developers. You were named as a leading tech innovator. Oh my goodness, Neha. It's actually, I love your humbleness and your, and your persistence and your ability to keep going, but you have achieved so much along the way. So I've got a couple final few questions for you. The first one is, what has been your greatest failure to date? That's actually a very tough one for me to answer. And the reason is because, you know, I, I kind of try to always move past my failures. So, you know, I'm not, I try not to, like, I almost like erase it off my memory the moment I have learned my way out of it, right? So whenever somebody asks me that, like, I've had, you know, uh, a ton of failures. And I think I, I see failures on a, almost on a daily basis, right? When I'm just not happy with the way things are, uh, you know. But yeah, I, I kind of do not consider anything to be a mistake in my life or a failure in my life because I think it's all a part of the, of the process right like um you have to learn and then you just have to forget about it because something bigger will come your way something bigger will come i love it another question i've got for you final few questions is what are the three key pieces of advice that you wish that you'd give our peers out there listening that you wish you got when you were just starting out 
I think the first would be like really, really to network, right? Like you, you need to be, you need to start building a network as strong and as as big as possible, right? Like with with the right people, right? With the right thing in mind, right? I think like I've had, uh, you know, my my wave around it, right? That was something that I knew, but then you know, kind of, I, I for certain reasons, obviously the way you know my personal life was going in, I kind of withdrew back from that, right? Like I was like, okay, I'm just gonna focus and then I'll just do one thing. But I think like you do need to, you know, constantly work over that that's really important i think not just from a business perspective but you know just having a, a variety of people in your life also helps you you know kind of it makes it easy right like entrepreneurship is is anyways hard enough and it just makes it easy if you you, know, you have different perspectives to you know or, or different ideas and topics to kind of have you know a, a, a big set of people to speak with so that's one um the other one will also be like, you know, I think like another thing with, with entrepreneurship is that, you know, uh, this entire like Gary Vee thing where like, you know, you're like, you're hustling the entire time, right? And we all do that. We all do that, right? Like some people go and brag about it. Some people don't. But uh, most entrepreneurs tend to continue doing that. And I think like at some point you have to start realizing that there's a balance that is required, you know, and obviously that does not mean that, you know, like, uh, I mean, it's very individual, right? For me, it does not mean that I do eight hour, you know, work days. But you start, you start need to, you know, uh, like understand the signals when you need to take care of yourself and take a pause and, you know, just do it. And I think like a lot of entrepreneurs kind of, you know, at least at some point forget that they have to do that. That's the, that's the second. So self-care, uh, that's the second. And I think like the third is this, um, you know, again, in terms of like the, the, like the team, right? I think is it's very important for you to get a strong team in place. I think. I've definitely been, uh, you know, been lucky and like, you know, kind of things have really fallen in place for me there. Like I've not had, uh, I, mean, I, I got things easier there, but yeah, it's very important to have like a strong team because I think like a lot of people kind of face that challenge where, you know, they just have trouble, you know, getting the, the, the right co-founders or like, you know, the right uh, core teams to, to kind of come and work with them. And, you know, that they spent a humongous amount of time and also like, you know, kind of would go through ventures just because you know they're not being able to figure that piece out right so you may have a great idea but uh, you may be able to execute to a certain extent but if you don't have a great team you know it's not going to work so i think like more than the idea i would say like you know you really need to invest in in you know in who's your uh, you know who's your who's who's your pack right i think that's important mm-hmm. I love them. They're all so, so great. And I'm just taking it in and taking note. And I'm sure all of our amazing peers listening are too. Amazing. So look, Nia, as as we come to the close, I, I just want to take a moment to acknowledge you for the incredible work that you've done and that you're doing for really showing us that all we have to do if we kind of, you know, fail, quote unquote fail, is just to get back up, to keep going, you know, to keep pursuing our dreams and our passions, no matter how long the road may be. And for that, we really appreciate you. Thank you so much. So our final question is how we finish every episode of the Peers to Peers podcast. And that is, what is the value of pursuing what you're most passionate about? I think you always have something to look forward to, even in your darkest days. You know, when you need to get out, you you have a reason, right? And you don't need to go searching for that reason. I love it. Ah, Nia, so amazing. Thank you so much. We've had an absolute blast. Where can people learn more about you and Jumper.ai? So I am N-Y-H-A-S-H-R-E-E on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter, and Instagram as well. And uh, Jumper is H-E-Y-J-U-M-P-E-R on all these social media as well. Amazing. We'll link them up in the show notes. Thanks so much again, Nia. It's been so awesome. 
And for everyone else listening, we will end with that. Piers, that's a wrap. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Peers to Peers podcast. We hope you've enjoyed your introduction to our latest guest peer and that you find them as gung-ho as we do, which is our way of saying inspirational. For more, make sure to subscribe to our show on iTunes, Spotify, or any app where podcasts are played and leave us a review. We produce with passion and it doesn't stop here. To see what else we're up to, visit thepeersproject.com or follow us on Instagram at thepeersproject. We'll have fresh, real talk for you next week, peers. Until then, if you need inspiration, look amongst your peers. <laughs>